who walks away from Facebook? Who does that? Who like walks away from a regular paycheck? Is it worth it? What is it? Do I even know that I'm going to be able to like get a job again after this? And I got so scared. Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to Let It Out With Me. I'm your host, Katie Delbout. I'm going to get through this intro without crying this week, but thank you guys so much for being so nice and listening to last week's episode with Mari Andrew and sharing it and having such kind feedback for me and about the episode and about the podcast in general. If you're new, welcome. I've been doing this for a really long time and I love it. And this week's episode is very special because as you might already know, I've been helping other people start podcasts, what I call DIY podcasting, for a little while now. And every semester I do this course called Let a Podcast Out, where I help other people create market, come up with an idea, learn how to podcast basically, or completely. And today's episode is the winning episode of the last semester of Let a Podcast Out. Here's what I mean by winning episode. Every time I run Let a Podcast Out, every participant, no matter what, you have lifetime access, gets to submit a full episode or a clip from an episode that they produce and create to me. And then I choose one that gets to be aired on my podcasting channel, this that you're listening to right now. I have the host of that podcast on to chat about the podcast and what it is. And today that is Alex. There's an interview with me and her talking about her new podcast called Limbo, which is about lightness and heaviness and that space in between. You'll hear all about it. It's so wonderful. She's so wonderful. I can't wait for you to hear it. And then we get to eavesdrop on her conversation with Berna. They both used to work at Instagram together and Berna and Alex talk about loneliness and travel and financial literacy and money shame and something called relationship privilege. They talk about loneliness, being ashamed to admit unhappiness. They talk about hitting on an emotion that you can't articulate and then being able to articulate that emotion. It's a very wonderful conversation. I'm selfishly just very happy that this podcast limbo exists so I can listen to it. Enjoy my conversation with Alex and her conversation with Berna. I will talk to you at the end for the likes and learn segment. Guys, I am a snacker. I love snacks. I prefer them to most other types of food, but really anything can be a snack, right? Anyway, Emmy's Organics makes the best snacks. They're great for on the go. You can put them in your pocket. They're delicious. They're a treat for your sweet tooth. They're made with simple ingredients like organic coconut oil and almond flour. They don't use anything artificial, no preservatives, no natural flavors. They're gluten-free and organic, like I said, vegan, grain-free, soy-free. 
Again, great for on the go with a cup of coffee or a tea. My friend puts them in her kid's lunch. I put them in my own lunch and my backpack and my purse. I always have them with me, emmysorganics.com. Use the code LETITOUT for 40% off your first order. That chocolate chip flavor is my favorite. However, peanut butter is a close second. Very, very close second. I like the lemon one as well. Matcha, I don't even like matcha, to be honest with you guys. Like I don't drink it. Controversial, maybe surprising. The matcha flavor Emmys snacks, I very much enjoy. So if you wanna try them again, 40% off your first order by going to emmysorganics.com and using the code let it out. I love this company, I love the founders, and I think you will love them too. great to meet you and have you here and I'm really excited to to have you on the on the podcast and I'm really excited about your podcast and that we're neighbors I know around the corner from me in New York thank you for for being here and so how did you how did you find let a podcast out and why did you want to make a podcast so I've been a longtime listener of Um, let it out and I'd been thinking about making a podcast for a while, and the concept behind it shifted a bunch, but I was actually starting to think about making a magazine, and then your course came out, and I was like, well, might as well do this as a podcast because I'd been wanting to do a podcast for so long, and the startup costs of a podcast are so much less, and so... I was like, well, might as well. And I just kind of did it without setting too many expectations for it, like feeling good about my idea and wanting people to listen, but also not taking it super seriously so that I could actually get it done. (laughs) And it was great. It was like my first creative project that I've actually finished and followed through on in a very long time. Why do you think that was? I think, I mean, the fact that the course was so structured just made it super easy. I would like to be the kind of person that teaches themselves things, but I'm not. (laughs) So (laughs) like, "Mm, I need somebody to tell me. So just having it all laid out made it very approachable. Having the deadline, the contest deadline was also super helpful because I could have waited, you know, forever. But you won. Yay. I know. I'm so tickled by it. Did you think you were going to win when you submitted? Um, I believed I could. Yeah. I don't normally feel that way about things, but I thought, so my friend Berna, who Who we're going to hear from in this episode. Yes. She's now like a financial literacy advocate for women and young people of color. She's so cool. She's the coolest. We met at work. Um, We're friends from work. And you guys both used to work at Facebook and Instagram. Right. For like, you were there how long? I was there almost eight years. Wow. Yeah. It was my first job. And she was there. She just worked at Instagram Mm -hmm. um, and she quit six months before I did. So she and I had actually talked about doing a podcast together because we both were super into financial literacy and wanted to present it in a different way, which she's doing brilliantly. So 
I was just like, I know she has to be the first person that I yeah. have on. And she's just so entertaining. I mean, just a complete freak of nature. So when I listened back to her interview, I was like, okay, this is a good one. <laughs> it really is. I mean, I was riveted by it. I loved every second. I learned so much. Uh, and thank you so much. Yeah. I want to get into the content of what people are going to hear, but let's go back. So do you remember how you found my podcast and my stuff? I know you know my dear friend Rose, who hasn't done the podcast yet, but will eventually. Yeah. I'm wondering if I found you through Almost 30. Were you oh. on Almost 30 or were they on your show? I wasn't on, but we did a event together in LA. A oh, of- maybe that's how. Yeah. Because I was listening to Almost 30. Mm-hmm. I think that's that must have been how yeah. I found you. And yeah. Lindsay, we were just talking about before we started recording, Lindsay and Krista are great. We love them. And we they're them. part of let a podcast out because I interview other podcasters and they're one of the many that I interview and they completely open up the kimono and are so vulnerable and honest about how they started their podcast and what they do. Did you find that interview helpful? And did you find like the other interviews helpful in the course? I did. I really liked hearing just how all these different people just had an idea Mm -hmm. and then went for it. It was very inspiring. Yeah. And what I also liked about it is I think it's easy to feel like everything's already been done before. Mm -hmm. And that can become sort of like a mental roadblock for me, at least. I always think of that 90s song. It's all been done. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And so just hearing from all these people who have started podcasts and become successful is just so great because you just kind of realize like, yeah, a lot of people do have podcasts, but it doesn't. But you don't. But I don't. And like everybody has something so unique to offer. And even with all the podcasts I subscribe to, I'm always wanting more. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay. Yeah. 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 Then how did you come up with the idea for Limbo? So I've been obsessed with Saturn Returns. Mm. Are you in the midst? (laughs) I mean, you would think, but no, I don't start mine until next January. I'm kind of the same. Are we around the same age? Are you? I'm 28. Same. My birthday's in May. Mine's in April 30th. So both Taurus. Yes. Yeah. I'm May 3rd. Okay. Wow. We're very close. We should uh, have a joint birthday thing. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We're also neighbors. Um, Yeah, it's. I, I thought that I was in mine as well. And then I found out that it's still coming. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh my God, universe, what else do you have? I know. Um, so go on. So you're into Saturn Return. Yeah. So I was into that. And I also found myself in this big transition period because I quit my job and had a breakup and was just sort of like giving my, I decided to give myself time to just kind of exist and get realigned. So I was just thinking a lot about transitions and kind of being in between stuff and sort of learning with the help of a lot of therapy to be present in those periods of time. And so I really liked that concept. And so at first I thought like, oh, maybe I can do a magazine that's like a collection of people's stories about transition and 
you know, kind of focused on Saturn return, but then it kind of evolved and I just wanted to create something that was about really about the in-between time Mm -hmm. when you don't know if you're going to succeed or fail or be happy or be sad. You're just kind of like treading water a little bit. So, cause that's kind of what I've been doing for the last eight or nine months now. So I just wanted to have more of those conversations. I need your podcast because that's exactly <laughs> where I'm at. You know, the space between no longer, not yet, in between, limbo. Right. It's so fascinating and scary. And there are moments when I'm here and I'm like, this is terrible. But then there are moments where I'm here and I, in my better moments where I'm like, I can see that it's going to be okay and better than if I hadn't gone through this, if mm-hmm. I had just stayed in the comfortable. But it doesn't make it any less uncomfortable to to know that. But it's just, it. I know it's correct, but it's not necessarily cozy. Right. <laughs> and so it's great to have these conversations of people in the midst of change and growth. And I'm so excited that it exists and that let a podcast out was even like a small part of it. I liked what you said about you're not someone who teaches yourself stuff mm-hmm. well and that this was helpful for you with that. And I'm it tickles me so much because I worked so hard on this, but I I made it like a year ago. And so to hear that, it's I I have this feeling of like, you know, everything in the course you could find, like you could Google and you could find. Yeah. And I'm, you know, at first I was kind of self-conscious about that. I was like, well, like, are people going to want to do this and pay for this and spend the time doing this? Am I going to want, I spent so much time and money making it like so much. I mean, you know, you listened, I had an audio producer and I flew to do this in a special place. And And I have a whole brand. I did a whole brand yeah. and I had to make a new brand. There's like a whole complicated story with that too. I mean, just so much of a team and, and all these interviews I did. And it took me months and months and months and like burnout and yeah. so much to make this. And I really love it because I was like, if I'm going to do this, it has to be great. But a lot of the content of like what the best microphones are, like how to do these things, like you could Google and do it. But like you said, I'm not someone who is good at teaching myself stuff. I've had people in my life who are really good at that and like they don't need this course. They could just like make a podcast with their eyes closed and it would be fine. But for me, like I needed the accountability and the step-by-step and someone to break it down for me. I'm someone who like, like you needs a lot of coaches and therapists and like creative advisors. (laughs) Like right now I have so many, I will tell you later about my healing team, but I have like (laughs) a your board of directors. Yes. <laughs> I have a creative advisor. I have a strategy person. I have a two therapists. I have a dietitian. <laughs> I have like all these people right now because I'm just like going through it. Right. GTI. And I, I feel like let it out can be that handholding for not everyone needs it. Like I've, p- people have emailed me before and been like, oh, like, do you think this is for me? And like, they've not needed it. And then people have emailed me before and been like, I already have a podcast, but do you think I need it? I'm like, look, might help you with marketing. It might mm-hmm. help you with monetizing. So yeah. And then they've already, they've done it and gotten great things from it and, and aligned theirs and had more community around podcasting. So it just depends. Like it might be right for you. It might not. But if you're someone with our temperament who like likes the handholding and the structure, I think it can be helpful. You totally. Know? And I think like you just mentioned, I think that another great component is the community, like the 
Facebook group with everybody who's in the class, like that was really helpful. It's Mm -hmm. nice to kind of be doing it with a group of people at the same time. Also, we had a great group. Yeah, such an amazing group. So generous and thoughtful. Also, the course like cuts down how much time it would take. Like I'm sure dramatically. I mean, you could like if you wanted to like power through, like you Mm -hmm. could really power through and make or you can like take it at your pace. Like I took the whole time. But yeah, I think there are so many supportive elements mm-hmm. of the course. Like, and then also just hearing your story and how you do things. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, it's so important to have an example and like someone you admire who you feel like you can kind of emulate. Expander. Human. Yeah. An expander. <laughs> Cause it's like, oh, well, if Katie did this, then fine. I'll do that, you know? Totally. Well, that, and that's what I, I think to use Lacey Phillips, who we love and who is a testimonial for this course, her term expander. It's something that I think that's, that's all I am for people as an expander because people can look at me in this podcast, which I've been doing whether at well or not, I've been doing it consistently <laughs> mm-hmm. since 2013, yeah. you know, and that's something, totally. you know, I've done nearly 300 episodes at this point. I'm starting to forget people I've interviewed. Wow. Like when I was in Paris this week, my friend was reading this book, Woman Code by Elisa Vitti. And I was like, oh yeah, I interviewed her. And then we walked a little bit and we saw Tata Harper products at this mm-hmm. thing. And I was like, oh, I interviewed Tata, one of my like first dozen episodes. So I'm starting to forget all the people I interviewed. So I do have, I've done something, you know? Yes. And I think people can look at me and be like, I'm a good expander because the way Lacey defines expanders are people who you can look to and relate to. Yeah. You can see yourself. Exactly. Like I'm not, I'm not, I have a good friend who works at Gimlet and has worked at NPR. And like, I'm, if you saw her, she would be great. She's actually in, her name's Emmanuel Berry. She's someone I interview for the course. Um, and did a panel with, she's great, but I think she might not be as expansive to people because she's studied radio and she's worked her way up and she does this exclusively where let it, let a podcast out is for people who want to do this alongside a full-time job or want to like, it expedites the process because I dose it out mm-hmm. and it's not overwhelming of like, these are all the things you can need to do to start a podcast. It's right. week one, do this week two. And that's how I need that's how I need everything to happen mm-hmm. in my life. So I just yeah. made what I would have needed if I was starting this now, totally. you know? It's cool. I'm I'm glad you you found it helpful. And I'm mostly glad because I'm glad your podcast exists because selfishly I need it and <laughs> want to, to listen to it. So, okay, let's talk more about it. So you say in the intro or in the episode somewhere, but I wrote this down, that it's heavy but fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Just that. I really want to explore like deep emotional issues and fear. And I always joke that like, if something has the word trauma in it, like sign me up. Like I want to know, I want to be involved. So I wanted to have this depth and talk about the hard things, but I also want it to be fun. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not trying to make it really serious, but I want it to be authentic and a little bit daring in like how it talks about these issues that aren't talked about generally. 
Like it's a Trojan horse for, you know, <laughs> trauma, but it's really yeah. fun. But yeah. it's really fun. That's the best content, right? Like that's the best – the best movies have a lesson in them, but mm-hmm. they're also entertaining first yeah. of all. And that's what I feel like your podcast does well and hopefully mine does. So in this episode, what yes. are we about to hear? Who are – you mentioned who we're hearing from as your friend, but we talk about money and freelance and – habits financially that are helpful. What else am I, when else am I missing? What did this conversation give you? So I think the most interesting part of this conversation for me was talking about money shame because most people have it and it's a very sensitive topic. I feel like it's one of the few things that's still kind of taboo. So we talk about money shame and like how it manifests for us and what we've kind of done to get over it. And a lot of that is sharing and talking about it. I mentioned in the podcast, Berna shares actual screenshots of her bank accounts, which is just like so beyond amazing and helpful. Like she's such an expander for learning financial literacy. We also talk about loneliness. I think that was another heavy but fun (laughs) thing to talk about uh, because she did nine months of global travel with her partner. So we talk about that experience and she and I are both transitioning into freelance life. So we kind of talk about that and how kind of jarring it is to go from like corporate life into this and Kind of having that IV drip of money, as she says. Yes. Yeah. Which is so true. Like, that's how it is. And then you forget it's there and then it's not there. And then, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm really in that right now of like, oh man, it was, I would always say this. I was like, it's really nice to not have to put the pressure on my full, on my hobbies, podcasting and other things I do to make any money because I'm being taken care of by a full time job. And now I'm not, you know? And, it's it's such an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing to there's so much freedom that comes with that, but it's also a big transition and and doing doing that on top of other transitions is it's stressful and it's complicated. It's really complicated. I mean, the kind of stepping out into the unknown is one thing, but then all of the logistics that yeah. go along with being a freelancer are just so overwhelming. Yeah. And I was privileged enough to be able to save money and then live off of that money like as I'm getting my business up and going, but it's still very scary and I have to kind of remember that I'm so in it, but like my therapist last night was like, "What are you proud of?" Mm. I was like, "Oh, like I'm proud of the fact that I'm changing what work means and like doing it on my own terms. And I think it's easy when you go into entrepreneurial mode to kind of lose context. But I think it's important to remember for anyone who's doing it that it is like a big deal to do. Yeah. It's a really big deal. I'm proud of you. Proud of us. Proud of you. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, being a person is hard. Just the logistics of like being a, a any person, whether you're single or married or whatever, but being an adult person of navigating 
your finances, insurance, finding a place to live, especially in a city like New York, but really anywhere. It's so time can, that is a full-time job, you know, moving and figuring that out and figuring out what city you want to move in. And, and then also not to mention relationships and dating and, and family. And there's just a lot of buckets and finances is one of them that takes up so much time, but I find is so much less fun for me. And Mm -hmm. I, I tend to put away. So what habits have you taken from this conversation? What financial habits do you have as a freelancer? What would you recommend to me? Because I feel oh, like gosh. I'm someone floating in space, like, I've got my savings and I have bills and what do I do? Help. You know, I don't know if I am qualified to give advice yet because I'm still figuring it out. But one of the things that Berna does that I don't do consistently, but I return to when I need to get my shit together is write out every single expenditure and like every single penny coming in to just see it all in one place. And really don't forget about like that one credit card that like you don't look at, like just put it all. In an Excel tracker, she does this? She does it in a Google Doc. Okay. Just like a Google Just like doc. literally a doc. A Google it's like track, like Excel version? No. She oh. just types it. Types it out. Like she's journaling kind okay. of. And so that I find that really- so tedious. I know. But you are supposed to do it consistently right. so that like you do it every week and yeah, then yeah, yeah. you don't have like a ton of stuff to write uh-huh. down. But I find that really helpful- And then I think in terms of beginning to freelance, like not to underestimate how much stuff costs and like set aside more than you think you need. Because like all of these things like QuickBooks and Mm -hmm. Google, like G Suite, like all these little things that are like $10 a month or $20 a month, they all add up. MailChimp. Yeah. Simplecast. Simplecast. Who we love. (laughs) I am actually obsessed with Simplecast. Great, it is right? the easiest, most yeah. delightful. I have a constant tab open and I refresh oh. to see my downloads. <laughs> not not sponsored, but uh, yeah. open to it. Yeah. But they are who I recommend in the course and you'll hear why. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, all that stuff really does add up. So going back to the the journaling exercise of writing all that down, how is that helpful just so you – like, how is it more helpful to type it out than to just look at? Because I do that. I try to do, I had Kate Northrup on. Do you know who she is? Mm-mm. She wrote this book called Money, A Love Story. She might have been my like fifth or sixth guest. So this is, you know, six years ago. But she would talk about this. And she talked about how having these financial dates with yourself where she would like look at her accounts and see what was in it and all of that. And it was really useful. And I always liked that. And so I do mm-hmm. do that. I look at my accounts and how much is in it. And I check that out every once in a while, which sounds like, of course, someone would do that, but I wasn't doing that. So it's I, easy not to. Do yeah. That. So I, what I, I am do, especially when you have a full-time job, because it's like, I know there's money coming in no matter how hard I work, but now I have to, but back then I would even do it. Why is it different from looking at it to writing it down? Do you think? For me, I just absorb information better when I am writing it down and then I can sort of bucket it mm-hmm. based on like category So I can see if I'm like really, and I guess you could do this in like mint or whatever else, but 
So I can really see like, oh, you spent $500 at Whole Foods? Mm-hmm. What's that? And like you can see just different kind of trends. And so that's what I find helpful. So you write it out and then you kind of categorize it or color it or look at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. I yes. I just do I it. Like I do see. it like on paper. Berna oh. does it in a doc. I do it on paper. I'm going to do this like this weekend. Yeah. I mean, prepare yourself. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, I learned a lot in this episode. I have a lot I still want to learn. I'm so happy we're talking about finances because like I said, I don't think I've done a finance episode since like season one with Kate Northrup. Well, that's I'll link cool to. that you did yeah. it in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. But I'm happy to do another one. We might have done more. Like I said, I'm starting to forget mm-hmm. what we've even talked about on this podcast because I've been doing it for such a goddamn long time. Mm-hmm. But I love it. And it was the greatest thing I've ever done. And I'm so happy I did it. How are you feeling about having a podcast? What has the response been to it so far? I've been feeling so great about it. Like I feel really good that I followed through on something creative. Um, I w- That was something that was so missing from my life. I just wasn't making space for it. So the fact that I decided to do something, followed through on it, and that people are liking it mm-hmm. has just been really good for my kind of confidence and just sense of well-being and alignment. Like I actually feel like, like, oh, you said you wanted to do something and you did it, which is feels novel and great. And it's been nice. Like people I haven't spoken to in years are reaching out to me like total. I mean, they're not total randos. I know them, but um, so it's been fun. Yeah. It's just been fun to like reconnect with people and, you know, get feedback I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Would you recommend Let a Podcast Out to someone wanting to start a podcast? A hundred percent. I would recommend it if you are looking for a really easy to follow guide and if you want to follow through. (laughs) Like, Like if you want structure that's easy to follow and will end in good podcast. Like the stuff that you teach ensures that there's like a basic quality level, I think. So you can, I think you can do it and, and feel proud of what you make and not feel like a total amateur. Yeah. I'm not letting people make like super shitty podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's enough there. It's already saturated enough. Right. right. But, but really it's like, I, I don't think any podcast is bad. You know, if someone's genuinely yeah. being themselves and having a good time doing it, that's all that matters. I just want to help people and give them the tools of like that they can start to do it because I know people who are somewhat perfectionistic. I'm not. I kind of put stuff out there regardless, but that will be a deterrent from even starting at all. And so I can kind of give some handholding of like, here's what I've learned six six years in and and run with it. I am so happy that you started listening to Let It Out. I'm so happy you've decided to do this course and that you followed through on it. And you thought it was organized and like easy to to get through? Yeah, I really did. I did jump around a little bit. Uh um, And it was just always easy to find my place. Like I took some breaks. Like Uh I probably, 
there were probably a couple of like three week periods where I didn't look at it, but you know, I kept going back to it. I thought it was super organized, really easy to follow. Like it just, it it like helped me check all the boxes. It's like, okay, here's what show notes are and description Mm -hmm. and like keywords. Here's what equipment to buy. Here's where you find music. Here's how you host it. Here's how you market it. Once you get to a point where you can do monetization, like here's how to approach that. So it just felt like, okay, everything I need is in here. I don't have to overthink it. Mm-hmm. I'll just kind of go through it and at then your own pace. be done. Yeah. Yeah. And you have the trackers and the email templates. Do mm-hmm. you use those? I have not yet because I've only been doing my friends. Yeah. But I imagine like when I go out to people who I don't know, yeah. I'll use those. And then once I, you know, have more than like five people, yeah, <laughs> then yeah, I'll yeah. use the tracker. Cool. I modeled the course after some on- – so I've taken so many online courses, and I modeled it after several that aren't – they weren't for podcasting, obviously, but for other things mm-hmm. that I found were organized. And like you said, I would go away from it for a while, but I would come back to it, and I'm someone who's very disciplined, so I would always want to finish it. Mm-hmm. And there's this one course in particular that I – did and have talked about on the podcast, Isabel Fox and Duke has this course about body image and intuitive eating and anti-dieting, essentially. It's called How to Not Be Crazy Around Food, I think, something like that. I would do the same thing. And I really got through and I loved how it was organized and how, and so I modeled this after how I remembered feeling in that course. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just wanted it to be perfect. You know, I wanted it to be something that I would have wanted to do and have. And so I'm I'm so happy that that it was helpful to you. And I'm so happy people get to listen to this episode. Let's get to it as quickly as possible. Anything else you want to let out? Where can people find you? Well, people can find Limbo at, at Limbo Podcast. I'm at Alex Hollander. I think that's it. Thank you so much for this opportunity for the class. And the contest was a great motivator, honestly. Yeah, it was just such a nice kind of like added bonus and it, I'm not disciplined. So it helped me be disciplined because I was like, well, if I'm putting in all this work and this investment, Mm -hmm. you know, I might as well try to make the most of it. Yeah. So that really motivated me to actually meet the deadline. So people can get a discount for this and do this again with us. Thank you so much for for doing this and being here and for this great episode and, and letting me air it on Let It Out. Thank you so much. Four Sigmatic, one of my favorite companies, is supporting today's episode. You may remember my episode with their founder, Taro, from years ago. I've known Taro for a very long time. I was one of the first people in America that they actually sent product to because my friend and mentor and very first podcast guest is from Sweden and she told me about these products that she had found overseas. I love them. They are these superfood mushroom elixirs. They are great for on the go. They make a chai flavor. They make coffee elixirs. They have chaga and reishi and lion's mane and they all do different things. They help you with energy or sleep or whatever you need. Adaptogenic herbs for all your superfood needs. They're great with a splash of coconut milk or macadamia nut milk, almond milk, or whatever whatever you want to do. They don't have any sugar in them. And again, I love to use them in creative ways. I'll put them in my yogurt. 
My friend Amanda puts them in her oatmeal. You can bake with them. They even make skincare now, which I'll get to in the likes and learns. But listen, they make this serum for your face that I love. They even have face masks now. If you like matcha, they have matcha products. I just love this company. I love this brand. I love that they have so many different options and offerings now. And if you want to get 15% off your order, head over to foursigmatic.com slash Katie and use the code Katie, K-A-T-I-E at checkout. That's for 15% off. Go to foursigmatic.com slash Katie and use the code Katie at checkout. Hi friends, my name is Alex Hollander, and this is the first episode of my new podcast, Limbo. Limbo is an intersectional collection of conversations celebrating beings in between. So many of the stories we hear are before and after narratives, which are awesome, but I wanted to hear more stories about what's actually going on with people when they're in the middle of a big change or transition, because that's the juicy part where we're actually learning and growing the most. So I'm really excited to talk to some of my favorite people that I know or am meeting for the first time and share these conversations with other people who are looking for resonance or inspiration as they're navigating their own transitions. If you don't know me, I'm a 28-year-old writer, artist person who is in the process of aligning more with that and redefining what I do day to day. I worked at Facebook and Instagram for almost eight years. It was my first job and quit in July after hitting a really low place with burnout and feeling super far from my joy and purpose. Since then, I've been taking time to rest, make creativity a daily practice most days, and work through some of my limiting belief systems, primarily through therapy and Reiki and the unconditional support of my friends. I'm also embarking on life as a freelance consultant right now, which should be interesting. So today's guest is my incredibly smart, sparkly, and fiercely weird friend, Berna Anat. She and I met when we were both working at Instagram and initially bonded because we were both super into financial literacy for ourselves and other young people. Since then, she paid off all her credit card and student loan debt, quit her job, traveled the world with her partner, Peter and is now back in the Bay Area taking her financial education and advocacy for young people of color to the next level. We had a super raw conversation about money, shame, loneliness, and starting out as an entrepreneur, which sounds heavy, but I swear it's super fun. I think you can count on that as a theme for this podcast, heavy, but really fun. Uh, So thanks so much for listening and let me know what you think. Here's Berna. Can you just start by giving a little bit of background on who you are and what you've been up to for the past maybe like year or two? Yes, absolutely. Man, I'm really, really happy to be talking all about transitions today because now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like I haven't stopped transitioning like starting two years ago. It's just been like constant, constant, constant moving and mucking and being gumby. Okay. So anyway, um, I'm Berna Anat. Uh, on the internet, I'm Hey Berna, and I currently create stuff around personal finance for young people, specifically young women of color, and uh, but really any young person that wants to come learn about money, because as a lot of us know, money itself is a very dry and scary and shameful topic, 
And young people have been totally boned out of learning about personal finance and getting financially literate. So that's what I'm doing now. To rewind a couple of years ago, I was, even before actually, um, my big girl job at Instagram, my personal finance journey started when I was a bro- How do we feel about swearing? We feel great about it. Oh, we feel good about it. Okay, great. Because um, I swear a lot. I was broke <laughs> as fuck. Uh, living in New York City. <laughs> I had graduated from USC in 2011 with around $40,000 in debt. And then living freelance in New York City for a few years, then put me and my zero financial literacy skills in like $12,000 in credit card debt. So really cute, really cute sitting on all these like backward zeros. And it was totally fine though at the time because I... I think like lots of other millennials was around my friends who were like, we love to talk about how broke we are. We love to talk about how much we're struggling. And so the struggle just felt like the norm. And what I wasn't talking about, and I think what a lot of people also, we weren't sharing with each other was the shame around not knowing what to do with your money. It was the fear around what the hell am I going to do for rent next month? And the sort of also double shame in that because you're not talking about the fear, like you're not talking in a genuine way about the fear and the shame, you feel like you're the only person struggling the most. And so it's just this like lonely downward shame spiral of money wrapped in like, "Uh I'm a hot mess, right guys? We're hot messes. (laughs) It's hilarious to be a hot mess. When that started to change for me was I got this amazing job offer to work at Instagram, which is back home in the Bay Area, which is where I'm from. So I was psyched. And that meant finally getting a big girl paycheck every two weeks. And that was a major moment of transition for me because I had always used the excuse of being bad at money. Uh, My excuse was, I don't have any money. I don't get much money. I'm freelance. Like I'm constantly just like Legoing my paycheck. So how can I be good at something that I don't get on like a regular IV drip like a normal adult? And now that I was getting this new paycheck, I was like, oh, shit, I have no excuse now. And, you know, it's a tech salary. It's a good one. And I'm like, if there's ever a moment to get my financial shit together and stop acting like I don't love being a hot mess, because I don't love being a hot mess. I'm scared and it's shameful that it's now. So it was a it was a physical transition from New York City to the Bay Area. It was and also from my own apartment and independence to freaking like going back to my hometown uh, and eventually living with my family. And then it felt like a huge adult change from like, la 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 hot mess to like, oh shit. All right. If, if I don't burn shit down every two weeks, then I get money and pretty much the same amount of money. Like I've got to be able to regulate my finances off of that. So what I ended up doing because budgeting apps didn't work for me and like dry ass Excel sheets, which is like what you get when you Google how to budget definitely was not working for me. Um, I opened up a Google Doc and just started journaling about what I do with my money every time I got a paycheck. Just like feelings, just because I'm like full of fucking feelings, aren't we all? And so I was just like, here's how I feel about my money this Friday. Here's how I feel about how I spent the last two weeks. Here's what I think I'm going to do for the next two weeks. I don't know. And the more I started doing that, the more I saw patterns in my money, the more I started to go like, okay, well, actually feel a little bit in control. Now that I have this moment to pause, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't have to be a raging hot mess for the next two weeks. Like it's not necessary. I can have a little bit of a plan. And that started to form into uh, what I called Felicia's wallet because, you know, the buy Felicia phenomenon, we were, we were all there. 
Um, and I just thought <laughs> that it would be funny to name it Felicia's wallet. I didn't tell anyone about it. Uh, but this resulted in me building my own budget, like through this weird journaling method. And I was able to direct my budget then at my credit card debt. And I was able to knock out my $12,000 in credit card debt in about six months which was awesome. And then I was like, all right, come fucking get it, Sally Mae. And I directed my budget instead at my student loans. And as I was doing that, I met my current partner who was like, I have hella student loans too. We had the money talk on like date four. And we're like, here's how much debt I have. Ah, And we decided that if we were to pay off our student loans together, we would do something crazy, like let's quit our jobs and travel the world. And that is exactly what we did. Obviously, this all took about two years total, uh, the paying off the debt. And then once we both paid off our student loans, saving up for uh, travel savings. But we did. And we quit our jobs like November, December of 2017. And then we spent January through end of November of 2018, just backpacking through Asia. So we started in New Zealand and just like worked our broke little asses up until Japan. And that was, I mean, that was a whole journey in itself. And now I'm back in America and back home in San Francisco and trying to do my thing on my personal finance and financial literacy for young people platform. So it's just been, I feel like I've been in a slow churn washing machine for two years <laughs> and it's now starting to kind of slow down, but still tons and tons of change every day. Yeah. That's Woo! the spiel. <laughs> I have so many questions. Yeah, um, the first thing that I want to talk about that you and I have had a lot of conversations about too, is the shame aspect of mm-hmm. money and kind of conquering that. One of the things I admire most about your approach to teaching people about money and helping them conquer their own shame is that you share literal screenshots of your (laughs) bank account. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, I do. Which is so, I don't think I've ever seen anyone else do something like that. How did you, was that kind of a big decision for you or did, did you just feel like, oh, this is like, just something I have to do or? Yes. It, it felt like both. It felt like I was looking at my Charles Schwab app one day sometime, I think at the beginning of last year. And I was just looking at all, I, I had gotten to the system where I opened up several bank accounts. And it was one of those things where like, the reason I opened up several bank accounts, because I was like, wait, I don't get in trouble for opening up several bank accounts, right? Like I really need to organize my shit. And if I can't break out my one like high school checking account into several things, I'm just going to open a bunch. So I was looking at that one day and I was like, I was looking at the screenshot of my phone and I was like, this is so weird. Like if I were to see this as like a 16 or 17, like my 16 or 17 year old self were to see this, I think there's a lot to learn about like what I'm looking at. The fact that you can break out your checking and your savings, the fact that you should have a checking and a savings at least. And then I thought exactly kind of what you just said of just like, I don't think I've ever seen the inside of anyone else's bank account before. Then it started to go like, hold up, hold up what if I showed this to people and this became their first experience of seeing the inside of someone else's bank account? And if at the very least, they just start to think like, huh, never seen that before. Or like at the medium, they're like, oh, I should probably look at the way I organize my bank account. I was just like, this could, if I, if I show this to people, this could actually spark some really interesting conversations, I think. And then I was like, what's the bad part about showing it to people? I was like, wait, there, I don't think there is a bad side. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what the fuck? It was one of those things where it's like, hold up. 
why did I think there were rules around showing people my money? There aren't. It's just like, it's a, it's the barriers I set up in my own head. So I remember, I can remember literally looking around the room and being like, wait, what the fuck? Was I lying to myself this whole time thinking that like, you're not supposed to show your money to people. It's like, if I block out the account numbers, then it's really more about the lesson. And if I just like also take my pride out of it, it was like, fuck it. Like, this is how much money I have. Who fucking cares? If I don't start this conversation this way, maybe no one else will. Then that just sort of made it more worth it for me. So I did that. And yeah, the response was amazing because it was exactly what we were just talking about. People were like, I have never seen the inside of anyone else's bank account before. So the fact that I'm putting my eyes on this is you know, sort of transformative. And then it's like, wait, why the fuck do you have eight bank accounts? Is that smart? What do I do? I have questions. And that's all the conversation that I wanted to spark. So I was like, oh shit, transparency really matters here. And even if it's in ways where it's like, I have to admit to everybody how broke or not broke or privileged and not privileged I am, then great, start somewhere. Has that helped you with shame around money or what? what's kind of helped you and what still triggers it for you? Oh my gosh. Yes. So that was me sort of being like, okay, I'm ashamed, but if I'm the first person to like do the stupid dance move, then maybe other people will do the stupid dance move with me. It actually comes from my background in uh, youth empowerment and working at teen camps. And like, it's just a, you know, if you've ever worked with young people, it's like such a universal principle that if you want them to do something kind of out of the box, you should be willing to do it first. So like, you got to get on stage and do the worm if you want anyone else to get on stage and do the worm. And I was like, all right, this is me like getting on stage and doing the stupid dance. Other people are like, oh, okay, it's she, she's the stupidest looking, so I can't look any stupider than her. Great. And so that's really helped in sort of putting myself forward and especially in putting myself in the mindset of like, this is the way that I used to help teens physically, like in their, in our organization. So if I do this digitally, it might also work. Um, but shame is still, I mean, it's something that we have to unpack and unlearn I think probably for the rest of our lives, if you think about the fact that like, at least for me and many of us have spent 25 plus of our most formative years of our life thinking that money is shameful, it's going to take the whole rest of our lives to unthink that it's shameful. And it's going to take a lot of handholding and encouragement and like, girl, you got this. It's fine. Like I'm the most shameful. So like get in line behind me. It's okay. Then you know, we have to sort of be very forgiving for ourselves. What, what still triggers shame for me is when I miss uh, my biweekly budgeting dates, which I do all the time. I'm constantly like, y'all, you have to make sure it's like every Friday at 10 o'clock or every Sunday from two to three. And it's so important that it's consistent. And I actually have a really hard time being consistent with myself. So sometimes I'm like preaching the good word and I'm like, bitch, you haven't looked at your budget. I'm like, what the fuck? Damn. But and then I have to remember that like, as, as the person who's putting myself on stage and again, doing the stupid dance, sharing my shame is part of it because the reason that we're all in this place of shame is because we think that everyone else is perfect and we're not. So the more that I can show my imperfections, and this goes for any industry anywhere, the more you can show your imperfections, the more that people are like, oh, it's okay to not be perfect. Shame is a totally normal part of life. And it takes some like shining some light into the shame to move past it at all. So still working on it. We'll always be working on it. Can we go back to when you had decided, okay, I'm going to tackle this debt and I have the paycheck to do it. How did you, and you started doing your Felicia's wallet. Mm -hmm. What was that process like? And how did you keep up the motivation? Uh, it felt like... I'm almost like putting myself physically back in that space. It felt like peeling off my skin. It's like, okay, when you get a sunburn and you peel the skin off, which is gross, but we totally all do because it's really satisfying. 
when you peel the old skin off of a sunburn, the skin underneath is like red and raw and you're like, ah, don't touch it. I'm scared. It's like having the full body sunburn and then peeling all the skin off little by little and being like, ah, what am I doing? It's scary. I don't like, don't touch me. Was this a good idea? Maybe I shouldn't have ever done this. Ah. So when I was transitioning from, you know, being blissfully ignorant about my trend, about my finances to now forcing myself to sit down every two weeks, it felt like I was poking raw skin every time. And luckily I was like, you know, it's okay, Bruno, like you're doing this in the privacy of like your own Google doc, not like anyone's watching you. So I was able to be very transparent with myself. And I decided that like, it was sort of a rip the bandaid off kind of mentality where if I'm not like a little bit harsh and a little bit mean with myself now, to sort of try to make up for all the like la 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 hotness that I've been for so many years, then, you know, this, tr- this process might take way longer than it should. So yeah, it just felt very ugh, like, I imagine maybe this is what it feels like for like a, I don't know, a butterfly to like crawl out of the cocoon and like not in the beautiful wing spreading part yet, but in the like, I'm covered in goop and everything <laughs> weird place. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing so many strange like visual metaphors. But it felt like, you know, I was like, I know this is good for me. I know this is good for me. But like, I feel weird and raw and scary. Like nobody touched me. Nobody looked at me for a while. It was a, it was a visceral experience. What was it like to be doing all of this in the kind of like ecosystem of the Bay Area? Like I know that oh. you had, you know, you're both sort of back home. So doing this around your family and your community, but also doing this at Facebook Inc. where like, you know, people are just like wiping their butts with Mm -hmm. money. Yes. I mean, at first I was like, coming from very super low salary freelance life in New York and then coming to San Francisco and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have, first I had, I had my own apartment. I was like, I have my, I have my place and I get money every two weeks. Like this is, this is how adults live. This is sick. Like why do people have money problems? You just got an IV money drip every Friday. Um, so at first I was like, I am living life. Like, this is great. And then I started to see a lot of the same patterns that I saw amongst my friends in New York city. It's just, you're just doing it at a bigger scale with more money. You're still going out almost every night. You're, you're spending a shit ton on the weekends. The social language of the people around you is like, let's get dinner. Let's get lunch. Let's get drinks. And you think that you have to get into that pattern. And then it's like, it's a new job. So I want to make friends. So I'm like, yes, I'll go to dinner. Yes, I'll do the expensive ski trip. Yes. Um, I realized that buying into that social language is what is going to hold me back financially. It's, it's the same language in any major city and you're a young person. It's like, if I continue to let myself speak that language with other people, my funds will just fall out of my butt, like in a diarrheal way. I'm sorry. I'm so gross today. <laughs> Don't know why. It doesn't need to be that way. Um, so <laughs> it that, might need to be that way. It might need to be that, again, like yeah. unlearning and unpacking your like financial <laughs> shame was never going to be pretty in the first place. So no, here we are, like diarrhea see. and butterfly goop. <laughs> it's like it's happening. Definitely. So, <laughs> and that was difficult. It was a really big comfort and a huge sort of windfall and place of privilege for me to be able to uh, be with my family. And eventually, once I got really serious about my debt, moved back in with my family and I was paying rent, but Lord knows I was not paying San Francisco rent. And that was a, it was comforting because I was able to see my family and spend time with them and eat food with them and cook with them. So that was really nice, but it is so difficult to sort of keep up appearances and keep up 
the social language of the people around you without spending a shit ton of money. And you're spending a shit ton of money with actually a lot of adults who have never even budgeted before. And they're just, they're just as excited about you about their big salary. And so they're like, spend it up, spend it up. Let's go do these things. Let's go to Tahoe every 14 seconds. Let's like rent cabins. Uh, and it took a lot of having to actually communicate that to the people around me of just like, actually, it's almost like being like, hey, I'm actually learning Spanish now and I have to go to class. I had to be like, I'm actually on a budget now and I cannot go to Vegas for the fourth time this quarter. So I'm going to have to put it down. People were mostly very respectful about that. And it, that conversation opened up a lot of other conversations where people were like, actually, shit. I should be thinking about my finances. Like, actually, I've never really thought to budget this like chunk of money I now have. So that was good. But it did have to, I had to sort of become that girl of like, budgeting is now my, like the beat that I drum, the, the drum that I beat. And it felt a little weird at first, but people were mostly nice about it. Yeah, I think people were so impressed and kind of expanded by it because it was like, oh, maybe I should be doing that. Like, maybe. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's tough because I mean, for me, when we first started talking about money, I was definitely grappling with this lifestyle that I kind of, you know, I had sort of like mindlessly entered and that mm -hmm. was like so comfortable mm -hmm. <laughs> and so delightful. And I was at the time I was um, spending most of my time with people who were, you know, much, much older than me and had, you know, started working at Facebook early on. And mm -hmm. so had like, uh, what's, the, what's the word? Um, the vested orders, song. orders of magnitude. Let's just oh. really put ourselves back in the room. Orders of magnitude. I'm back in it. I'm inside of a conference room and I'm confused. Sorry, I'm like giving us PTSD. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like exponentially more money. So, mm. and, and I, you know, I still had, I was in a sort of revolving credit card debt cycle, mm -hmm. which was like technically fine because I always paid it off, but it was not, um, and, you know, thank God I had equity and was like smart enough to mostly not touch that. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's just so easy to be aspirational when you do have a paycheck because you know it's coming um but it's like actually the dumbest thing and it's painful and right. it, it's so painful and it's so shameful and yes and since i quit working i have i mean i have a completely different perspective on money i haven't totally succeeded at changing my lifestyle in all the ways i should i've done it in some major ways but just not having income, mm. I'm just like, good lord! Mm. I had so much money yes. to work with, and like, I just did not appreciate it. It was never enough, and yeah. now that I don't have it, I'm like, oh, I'll I would take that back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm in the same exact boat with you because I'm freelance now, and you know that IV drip of money is gone, and so you're like, oh, I really don't have enough now, and I've really got to get it together, mm -hmm. and it also for me, it gives me a different perspective on my budgeting that I can share with other freelancers and, you know, other people who don't make a normal every two week or normal paycheck, because then you have to sort of shift your budgeting method entirely. Cause there is no faucet that opens for you every two Fridays. It's just like, 
you work with a skeleton or like a, a sort of formula that you apply to whatever paycheck you end up getting. And you kind of have to go back to that like Lego mentality of like, okay, putting it together, making it work and budgeting is a little bit different, but totally it's, and keeping up the lifestyle after having come from that, it's like, oh, I got to, I got to turn it down. I got to turn it way, 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 way down. That is a very interesting place to be too of like, oh, that's humbling. That's mm-hmm. for me. It's like, now you're really got to put your money where your mouth is. Cause I built my budgeting off of getting a regular paycheck. And now it's like, beep, beep, boop, bop, 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 bop. now budget, bitch. Now budget. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So, okay. So when you quit, you went pretty much right into traveling. Yes. So you and Peter, how was that? Like, how did money work for you while you were traveling? Were you, I can imagine like being so excited to travel, but also being like, I just saved all this money and now I'm going to spend it. You know, like how did, how did that feel? It, it felt amazing to build it up for sure. Because then for the first time, all that energy and those chunks and chunks of money we were putting towards credit card debt and then student loans, we actually got to watch it grow in a joint savings account. And we're just like, look at the numbers go up as opposed to like the numbers going backwards when you're paying off debt. This is amazing. And then we both quit our jobs. And there was definitely a moment in December, 2017, where we both were jobless and looked at each other like, oh my God, this number is now going to go down forever, pretty much. This number is forever going to be going backwards. And we're like, okay, we planned for that. Like we had calculated, you know, I read a shit ton of travel blogs about like what people spend in every country and how much you should budget for a month there. And we were really generous with ourselves and we're both, you know, putting in our incomes together so that we had, we're basically just are living off of a monthly allowance that would take us through 2018. So we knew that like numbers wise, we could support ourselves, but the idea of the numbers sliding backwards slowly when it felt so good to build it up, that definitely triggered some anxiety. And then I also also remember around the holiday time, uh, and it was like maybe the seven to 10 days before we left, I just got this wave of fear, giant wave of fear. I remember sitting on my bed and like hearing my relatives like move around in the house and especially in the morning when they're like getting ready for work and just thinking like, wait, what the fuck have I done? Oh my God, what have I done? Because now the numbers are starting to click downwards and like a couple of weeks went by and I wasn't, did not get that usual paycheck that I usually got. And I started to be like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. This is really happening. And this is going to be happening for as long as, you know, a year, which is what we projected. And I started to go like, maybe this isn't a good idea. Like who walks away from Facebook? Who does that? Who like walks away from a regular paycheck? is it worth it? What does it mean? Do I even know that I'm going to be able to like get a job again after this? And I got so scared. And I also never, I've never traveled for more than like four months at a time, like study abroad. So I was like, I'm going to be gone for forever too. Like uh, just major, major moments where I was like, what was I thinking? Like poor Peter would come home because he was working for a little longer than me. He'd come home to me being like a ball of anxiety in the room. And he's just like, hey, hey. And I'm like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> talk to humans all day, please, please. And just like hold on to his leg and be like, why are we doing this? Um, <laughs> and we had to just together really like hold on to the idea that like, this is something that you're doing to fend off regret in the future. This is something that you've wanted for a long time. You've thought of this literally for years. You were not wrong for those years. You're just scared right now. And that's normal. And it'll pass and like ride through it, explore it, honor it, you know, do all the things. And then focus on the fact that this is something that you've wanted for a very good reason and the good reason still exists. So just 
write it out. And also the idea that in the middle of a transition, you are scared for a reason that is healthy most of the time. You're scared because you're looking at something that is threatening to like grow you and change you and push you past your limits. And there was definitely a moment where I was like, but I like my limits. I like my paycheck and I like knowing where my bed is. Wait. And it was weird because I'd never thought of myself as someone who likes limits and boundaries. But then when faced with a major moment of like, bitch, everything's going to change. I was like, wait, 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 wait. I think I actually am a little bit of a coward. I am. I'm a little bit of a coward. But you know, time moves you past that. So it was... Ooh, it was rough. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so once you were out on the road and traveling, you were still talking about money and you were also sharing some of your kind of emotional experience yes. doing long-term travel, which I absolutely loved and was so touched by. There were two main ones that I wanted to talk about. You wrote one about loneliness, which I think is, is so great. Because it's like money, it's another one of these kind of uh, emotions or things that's like shrouded in shame. And, you know, we're, we're supposed to be social and we're supposed to have alone time. We're supposed to do self-care and, and like, you know, it's, the, it's still possible to feel lonely. And even if you're kind of doing all the things right, like I think loneliness is a pretty constant when you're in so much transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would love to talk about that. And then also you wrote about being a dark skinned Filipino traveling. And this was when you were, you were traveling all in Asia, right? Yes. And you wrote all this? Through, yeah, yeah. All through Asia. So I would love to just hear a little bit more about those and just how it felt to put yourself out there that way and what kind of response you got. Yes. Oh, man. So on the loneliness, that was hard to talk about at first because I'm traveling with my partner. Like I'm traveling with my person. And so I I would sometimes get feedback from even close friends and family who are like, you're never going to be lonely. Like Peter's always going to be there. And so it felt weird to feel feelings of loneliness because I'm literally next to what like the most familiar person on earth to me. But I felt almost a whole different little monster of loneliness because what I, I, what I, I now look back, I realized what I was feeling was I missed other people. I missed <laughs> my community. Like it's, it shouldn't have been a surprise to me that in your life, you need more than your partner. You need more than your person. And when you're traveling at the clip that we were, I mean, we sometimes we were staying in a place for like two, three months. We usually stayed for like at least a couple of weeks in one city. So we were able to get to know people, but not long enough to like root down and make friends and feel like there were other people to be real with and talk to besides each other. So it became lonely inside of our relationship because he needed other people besides me and I needed other people besides him. And we had very little access to those people for us. It was digital, which is not the same. And it's similar to the feeling that a lot of people describe being in uh, when you live in New York City, where you're like surrounded by people, but none of those people actually mean much to, or a lot of those people don't mean much to you. And the volume of the people who don't mean much to you around you makes you feel so lonely and so tiny. And again, it was it was weird to talk about because the reaction was like, first of all, you're with your partner, you're the most unlonely person ever. So like shut up with your relationship privilege. One. And two, you're not supposed to be unhappy when you're traveling the world. You're not supposed to be sad or lonely or feel anything negative because you are sitting on a fuck ton of privilege. I'm traveling the world off of a savings. I paid off my debt. Like I can travel. My passport gets me to a lot of places. 
And so you feel ashamed of admitting any kind of unhappiness because like as social media will show you, you're supposed to be shiny, happy and pretty and in a bikini and like fucking sweating gold all the time. (laughs) Not the case. And so I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I, I don't have, it's not like I have a giant following or an influence, but if I like get flack for sounding like an entitled princess, like that's fine. But if there's somebody who's like, yes, I travel too. And I feel lonely being by myself or I felt lonely in my relationship and you hit on an emotion that I wasn't able to name before, then it'll be worth it. And if nothing else, it's a totally selfish, cathartic moment. And I'm going to take it. It's fine. (laughs) So I did. And I wrote about my loneliness and I wrote about, you know, the importance of having a community, at least for me, the importance of having a community and how much, uh, how I needed to get out of my community and spend so much time away to be able to value that. And the response was amazing. People, especially other travelers, were like, I've never been able to pinpoint while it feel, why it feels so lonely to travel when you're just constantly surrounded by people and new cultures. But if you're the kind of person that's like, it's not my people and familiarity is really comforting and I don't have it and it's scary, uh, there's, there's no one there to like voice that concern. So you just, you end up more lonely. It's like the money shame. Like you don't talk about it. So you become more shameful and then you convince yourself you're the only one. So the shame spiral goes down. Same with loneliness. So the reaction to that was really amazing from other travelers. And then the idea of being a dark-skinned Filipina while traveling through Asia is something that I started to explore. This amazing blog called How Not to Travel Like a Basic Bitch, who's led by this uh, incredible woman named um, Kiana. She asked me to write for her uh, under a series called Traveling While Asian. And I had so much to say about that because I am an Asian woman. I'm Filipino American, but I'm dark skinned. And I'm realizing from a podcast, you can't see me. I have dark skin (laughs) and I have big curly hair and uh, non-classic Filipino features, which is there's so much to say about that in the first place. And also my boyfriend, my partner is as white as it gets. He's blonde hair, green eyes, tall, skinny. Like he is, he is an American poster and we're walking around Asia with like American poster boy and like black girl question mark (laughs) Uh, mixed what is she and so I had a lot of experiences uh, of just like weird disconnection in Asia where I am Asian I feel like I should have some type of connection with the lens that I'm in but I'm also very other to the people that I'm around and they don't really know how to respond to me whereas they might respond to me that the way a lot of people of color experience when they're traveling, especially dark-skinned people. There's like a good amount of discrimination. But then there's that confusion because I'm standing next to a white guy and like my hands on his butt. And they're like, I don't understand what the relationship is here. Does he protect her? Are they... Okay, she opened her mouth. She sounds white. Like, what does it mean? And so that's something that I wrote about, about the confusion, the identity confusion that happens when you are, first of all, a Filipino-American who is dark-skinned, whereas typically people's view of Filipina and the Philippines view of Filipinas are you should have light skin, you should have ironed down hair, it should be sleek, it should be shiny, it should be black, um, you should be skinny, you should not sound like a white girl, you know, things like that. And I'm very much the opposite of that. And then taking that whole identity crisis and shopping that bitch around Asia, very weird, because then people don't even claim me as Asian, first of all. And, and my dark skin and my curly hair are very anti-Asian ideal. If you go to Korea, Japan, uh, Vietnam, all the billboards are light-skinned Asian girls with, this, you know, just the total, I'm, I'm on, I call myself like a walking billboard of everything that an Asian is not supposed to be. And 
a lot of strange things got reflected in that. And so I wrote about that. And weirdly that I was more afraid of publishing that than anything I'd ever done because at least with money, I could sort of, I I could sort of separate myself from the identity of it. I'm like, money's money. It's numbers. What am I going to do with that? But with this Filipino identity thing, I'm like, I'm actually unpacking a lot of traumatic things that happened to me because I am a dark skinned Filipina. And this is the first time I'm talking about a whole series of discriminatory things that happened to me in my life and coming out with sort of some of the raw parts of yourself and then putting it on the fucking internet is like, you're just opening yourself to so we've all seen people get torn up for all kinds of shit on the internet. And not that I was pretending that like, it was going to be like a big wave of change or of reaction, but I was, this is also me telling some of my closest family and friends through the internet about things that I'd never told them about discriminatory things that really hurt me and scarred me that they didn't know about. Or actually for some people, terrible racial situations I was in that they didn't realize I felt that way. And I knew that they were reading about something that happened between us that they didn't realize had upset me. So I had to send some awkward emails after I wrote that article and being like, I'm not mad at you, but this happened. And if you want to talk about it, (laughs) I'm open. So that was, I was really freaked out. And so I hit publish. And again, the reaction to that was incredible, especially from other dark skinned Asian women who are like, also in between, they might be dark skin Asian dash American, dark skin Asian dash Canadian. And we had a lot of amazing conversations about being in between, about being the other of a other, being, you know, a minority. And then you're the unwanted minority of the minority. And so you don't know where the fuck to put yourself. You don't know how to claim space. And so it was a great place to start the conversations of like, I don't give a fuck if you want me to claim space or not. Cause I'm here. I have spatially exist. It's happening. And the voice needs to be heard and it was it was a great moment to feel seen and heard for the terrible shit that happened to me and it happens to people like me but also to be part of a moment of empowerment like fueled by so many other people and so many other things and get to ride that the wave of positivity Whew, that was a lot of talking sorry <laughs> no it's so amazing like consistently your vulnerability around things that are so personal to you but just the way that you kind of make personal things, universal things through your vulnerability is so amazing to watch. It's one of my absolute favorite things about you. Thank you. It's very inspiring. Um, Okay. So all of this is happening. Hopefully you're also having fun Uh, (laughs) while you're on your trip. (laughs) Yes. It's in there. It's in there. Definitely. Um, So now that you're back, how how is like the reintegration process going? Oh my gosh. I would actually say probably because it's the most immediate like scar healing or the most immediate like weird gooey place. I feel like this is the biggest, one of the biggest moments of transition in my life because before I, you know, I was sort of on and off full-time jobs and then I was freelance for a while and then I got the big full-time job at Instagram. Now I'm making a specific decision to not go back to the comfortable life of a paycheck every two weeks, which I totally could. And I'm making the specific decision to give myself a chance to be freelance, to be an entrepreneur, which is funny because I had said, like, if you ask some of my friends and family, I've said for the longest time, I never want to be an entrepreneur. I don't think I have it in me to be an entrepreneur. And this is like, now that I think back, I'm like, it's a fucked up thing to tell yourself right now. I would always say like, I really like, actually, it's weird to talk about, but I like being an employee and I like having a a manager. I'm very much like a, like your obnoxious, overachieving, like person, please, like very, very people pleasing millennial, which I think a lot of us can 
identify with. And so it just felt good to be able to get gold stars from my manager. And it felt nice to have boxes to check and, you know, like levels to accomplish and papers that tell me I did a good job. And so now I'm in this place of going like, well, what happens if fuck that? Like, what happens if I just turn all that around and I give myself a chance to do this thing that I always told myself I would not be good at? Like, I think good things have always happened to me when I've looked at a thing and I'm like, that sounds terrifying. Let's run screaming at it and try it. And so very scary. I was just telling a friend that the other day that, uh, you know, I'm a, bear, I'm a baby toddler entrepreneur, but I'm like, is it? is this true to the life of entrepreneur that you're just like scared every day? You're scared all the time. And they're like, yep, yep, that's exactly it. And this, the fear doesn't ever really go down. You just, you deal with it and you find ways to maneuver it into productivity every day. I'm like, okay, I just wanted someone to affirm to me that the fear I feel every day is not like a chemical imbalance. It's just what happens to yourself when you're pushing yourself into a new territory all the time. So I'm like constantly scared, uh, but also constantly pushing myself to do things that I never thought I would do, like lead a personal finance workshop for the first time, which I did last weekend. And when you do those things, like all these like ridiculous, this wave of self-doubt, I've never experienced a wave of self-doubt like this before, but just all these voices of self-doubt that were so much darker and kind of insidious than I've ever heard before came upon me. And I was like, thank God for, I don't know, I don't know what it is, meditation, probably all that traveling. I'm, I'm able to go like, damn, bitch who are you? Like, oh (laughs) shit, that's dark. Or like, I'm able to step back and go like, I feel that like that is, that is an actual like self-sabotaging voice. That's, that was like last week before my personal finance workshop going like, what, what if we just fuck it? You know, like, what if we just, what I really want to do is lay on the couch and watch Grey's Anatomy and just sort of hide until the moment passes. And I was like, oh my God, like, when you're, I guess when you're an entrepreneur, also as a freelancer, you you open up the floodgates of all the thoughts and all the insecurities, and then it latches on to like your money-making ability, and it's crazy. So if you can't tell, I'm in like sort of a slow whirling whirlwind of like emotion. What does it mean? Self-doubt. No, you can do this. No, you can't. Bitch, try it. Ah. Um, <laughs> And I'm still trying to organize my feelings around that, but it's, it's major transition and talking to other people who are in that same transition has been so essential too. Uh, and I'm, I'm currently in the process of like trying to friend date as many entrepreneurial women as I can in San Francisco, which again, like we're so privileged to have lots of that around, but man, it's, it's a struggle. I'm right there with you. It is horrifying. Even like doing this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely wanted to cancel today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even though you're one of my favorite people, we haven't caught up in like a year. Definitely yes. wanted to cancel. Yes. Um, I did another recording with another friend and was just in a foul mood for a solid day beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> just making it as like hard and miserable as possible for myself is like yes. a thing. Yes. And it's, and then if you can, like, have the ability to step back and be like, wait, why do I suddenly like, why is it, is it a coincidence that I feel shitty or resistant or low mood every time, right before I'm about to do something <laughs> yeah. familiar? Hmm, is that a pattern? Is it self-sabotage? Is it self-doubt? Yeah. It's, it's a bitch dealing with those emotions so raw and upfront and all the time, all the time. And yeah. because you're doing it by yourself, oh. there's nobody else. Like yes. you just got to power through. Yes, exactly. It's a whole like, it's its own industry almost of like, who's going to be the freelancer that's going to talk a lot about how much this sucks or how much, how scary this is so that we can all get together and be like, 
you're fucking terrified. I'm fucking that. Exactly. Totally. I guess we have to just believe that it'll just get easier the more we do it. Yep. And hold hands and cry. Hold hands and cry. For right now, it's cathartic to hear from you even that like, I wanted to cancel before this podcast because that's exactly how I feel before I do uh, on bigger and smaller scales before I do anything new, before anyone does anything new. It's like, I just, there's part of you that just wants to run screaming. And it's a testament to like our own faith in ourselves that we, you didn't cancel today and that I didn't end up sitting on the couch through the weekend and like skip my workshop. But still- Oh, the fear and the scare is so real. It's so real. Yeah. You're Grey's Anatomy. I'm Frasier, but like uh, right there with you. Just turn my brain off and like live for me, please. please. Like, I don't want this. I don't want to have to show up. I don't want to be powerful and cool and like fucking power pose in front of the mirror today. I want to hide. I want to be normal. But totally. Then, oh, that, that's, that's no way to live. No, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I have a few kind of um, more quick fire universal questions that yes. I like to ask at the end of every conversation. Mm-hmm. The first is, what is a micro transition that you're going through? Either it could be just today, it could be this week. Uh, micro transition that I'm going through right now is going from person who works inside of her childhood home to person who works at a co-working space. And I've been shopping around different co-working spaces. We're blessed in San Francisco to have so many co-working spaces and a good handful of all women co-working spaces. So I've been like dating them and trying to figure out where I would fit because uh, the way my family's set up, it is very hard to get work done when you're surrounded by loving fans and family who like it's a you know when people love you they want to talk to you and you want to talk back and that's very hard to get things done when that happens so transitioning from person who works in her pajamas at home to person who like has to at least brush your teeth because you're going to go be around people at a <laughs> yeah that's a good one what's something that you're learning right now I'm learning a lot about the dark voices in my head and how, you know, I've always been a relentlessly positive person and a person that like really gets off on affirmations and people telling me I'm doing a good job and gold stars. And so now that I'm left to my own devices, I am my own manager. I'm also like, I'm realizing I'm also my own like shit talker, like the biggest shit talker. And my shit talking voice is the one that's going to like, yeah, the couch is right there. Why don't we just lay down? Why don't we just not? Let's just, just tell the person you can't make it. Just fucking do it. So I'm learning a lot about that person inside of me and trying to figure out when they're telling me something that's like, no, really, you got to go to, you should really go to sleep versus like uh, some other self-destructive, like you, yeah, Grey's Anatomy is, is self-healing, it's self-care, lay down one more episode. Like the difference <laughs> between those two voices, I'm really, that's a hard lesson to learn. Totally. What's something that you're, actively unlearning oof okay i'm actively unlearning about the things that i love especially having to do with either self-care or like world ideologies that are steeped in terrible shit like steeped in colonialism or like for example i fucking love yoga with adrian i love her like she's this amazing uh yoga teacher she has like 5 million, almost 5 million subscribers now. She has a 30-day yoga challenge. It's really like got me out of the box, connected me with people. But I'm like, oh man, is this commercialized white people yoga? Like, should I be learning from somebody who owns the culture of where yoga came from? And I'm like, so I, I got to let go. It's kind of like in the greater sense of this R. Kelly thing happening and people being like, I can't listen to Step in the Name of Love anymore. I can't listen to Ignition anymore. It's like, yeah, yes, 
yes, that's if you're going to be about it. Yes, that's what you have to be about. And so I'm like, if I'm going to be about like not wanting to contribute to like colonialistic structures, yeah, you got to be about it too. You got to get rid of the people who don't represent the culture, right? You got to get rid of the singers and songwriters and, you know, bop makers who do fucked up shit in real life. You got to do it. And I'm like, okay, fine. Yes. That's what I'm unlearning is like, you really have to step away from the things that you've attached to in order to like really be about the life that you want to be about. Mm-hmm. Mm, but it sucks. Ugh. Well, and it's, it's impressive too, because that shit is buried. So you have to do a lot of education to yes. even know what has been co-opted. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's disappointing. I was just DMing with a friend, actually, uh, Kiana of how not to travel like a basic bitch. We're just like in the DMs going through all the things. It's like, I got to give up meditation apps. I got to give up yoga with Asia. I got to give up black. Of course, like, I'm happy to give up R. Kelly. But then it's like, don't forget, you have to give up Chris Brown when like forever comes on on the radio. Like you got to give it up. Yeah. There's so much on the daily that you're like, if you want to be about that life again, you got to give it up. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, speaking of what is your favorite way to get present when you have like the big gnarly voices or you're just like super busy and like out of your body? Yes. My favorite way to get present. And it's actually the way that it started. It's what started Felicia's wallet in the first place is journaling. So I've always been able to, even though, as you can tell, I'm like a very wordy person and I like to talk. I've always been able to be the most honest with myself when I'm writing, because it feels like I can't, I can't escape what comes out of me. If it's just me looking at words on a paper and I lie to myself, that's like the biggest bullshit ever. So writing and journaling what my feelings are immediately, uh, even the feelings of self-doubt, or what, or, you know, self-sabotage, I can at least review it and be like, that's the shit voice. That's actually the shit voice. It's not me. It's a shit voice. And I can physically separate that and like write myself back into a more central place. I've always like journal and a pen has always been like my desert island, like number one pick because I, I would go cray without it. Okay. Last question. What is your current favorite, delicious, potentially sinful, <laughs> potentially disruptive, potentially disruptive, quote unquote, self-care practice. Oh God. It's meme videos on the fucking explore page of Instagram. Like just constantly. Yeah. I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't watch a lot of movies. I read a lot of books, but books don't typically make me laugh until I cry. And the things that make me laugh until I cry these days are meme videos on the humor page of the explore page of Instagram. And I will tell myself for just 20 minutes, 40 minutes, hour and a half, I'm, <laughs> I'm loading up on humor. I'm laughing. I'm getting in touch with the youngs. I'm like updating myself about humor, but I'm also staring really hard at a tiny ass screen and not talking to humans. So no, Berna, that's uh, too much of that is a bad thing. And but sometimes I can't stay away. It's the fucking auto scroll. It's the funny mm. videos and then the potential to send it to my friends and be funny that ugh, ugh. it's not self-care, but I always try to convince myself it is. But it feels so good. It feels so good. It's easy. I'm laying down. <laughs> I turn off my brain. Like it's yeah. no different from like binging on Grey's Anatomy, but I do it anyway. Totally. Well, thank you so much. This was such an interesting conversation and I feel like you touched on so many things that people kind of privately struggle with. So it's amazing that you're out there starting these conversations and just the way that you express yourself and really like live your purpose is just so 
empowering and delightful and inspiring. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting me share. I'm I'm really excited to dig into the rest of your podcast too, because this is, I feel like this whole, everything you're creating is about talking about the hard stuff, which nobody does enough. And so I'm, I'm happy and honored to be part of it. Excited to see where it goes. Okay. Well, thank you again. And we are going to have to like have our entrepreneur crying sessions. Like, oh my gosh. ASAP. We can record it as like an extra for <laughs> totally. owners or whatever. Bonus content. Alex I and Bruno weeping. <laughs> <laughs> Donate $2 a month to access it. Yes. What's up? <laughs> Terrible. Oh man. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Berna. And if you're inspired to get your financial shit together, like I am, you can find her everywhere on the internet at, at Hey Berna. And I would definitely recommend checking out her Felicia's Wallet videos. Um, they are a true treat. I enjoyed that conversation very much. They're very cool. I would like to be friends with both of them. What did you guys think? Did you learn something? Did you laugh? I did both of those things and it makes me want to travel and keep track of my finances in a more reasonable way slash at all. (laughs) I really liked that episode and I hope you got something from it too. If you want to start a podcast, I'm your girl. I would love to help you. If you have any questions, let me know. Email me. If you do know that you want to take my workshop this semester, let a podcast out. Sign up now because the price goes up next week. This is the last week to sign up and get the early bird discount. And then there's a little bit more time to sign up after that. But if you know you're going to do it, just sign up now to save yourself some money. And, you know, I get a dopamine hit every time someone signs up. So I just would like all of that dopamine now, you know, why save it, right? Okay, (laughs) likes and learns for the week. I have been liking a lot of things, but one thing I've been learning is there's not a right time to do something. There's not even a best time to do something and that I just need to do things. I've been spending a lot of time planning and rescheduling plans, and it's just taking up so much brain space in my mind that I don't like. And I think because so much of my life is unscheduled, I have a lot of control over my schedule, it ends up feeding my anxiety and making me feel quite stressed and overwhelmed. And I had one of my plethora of people on my healing team, we'll call it. This was actually my dietitian, nutritionist, therapist said to me, try to not reschedule for a week and just go to the things that you have on your plate. Even if you leave early because you'll feel accomplished. So even though I've been really wanting to move things around like puzzle pieces, I've just been sticking to what's on my calendar and just doing it. And sometimes it doesn't feel great, but sometimes I feel really accomplished after. You never know. That's something I've been learning that's been working for me. It might not work for you, just like a piece of skincare might work great for my skin and it might not work for you. 
all depends on us and how different we are. Speaking of skincare, I love this new Four Sigmatic. This will be my like of the week. They have this serum, this face serum that's lovely. If you want to try it, we have a discount code for you. And, you know, try it out. But that will be my like of the week. I also like you. I'm very grateful that you listen to this podcast. I've run into several people over the weekend who listen to the podcast. One at an Avon Pond in the city, one on the corner of Canal Street and Broadway on a very busy intersection, and another one at the class. It's been really cool to meet people who listen to the podcast in person. So that's been lovely. This episode is brought to you in part by Emmy's Organics, some of my favorite snacks in the world. I love their founder, Samantha. They are this wonderful company that makes this delicious treat that satisfies a sweet tooth, satisfies a craving. I'm going to get one right after this. They're made with almond flour and coconut flour, very simple ingredients. They're organic, gluten-free, vegan, grain-free, soy-free. They're great with a cup of coffee or tea, a little dessert. My friend Carolina puts them in her kid's lunch as a treat. You can find them nationwide at Whole Foods or Sprouts or CVS or at emmysorganics.com where you can get 40% off of your first order with the code LETITOUT. Again, that's 40%. That's almost half off of all of the percents at emmysorganics.com com with the code let it out another thing i really love about this company is they're a certified b corp which is considered the highest standard of corporate responsibility they were founded in a home kitchen by my friend samantha and her husband ian and they started in 2009 and i just love this company for some reason i thought it was relevant to tell you they started in 2009 i don't know maybe that'll get you to order the fact that they were founded that year I don't know, it was a recession-ish, maybe? Anyway, get 40% off your first order by going to emmysorganics.com and entering the code LETITOUT at checkout. Thank you, Emmys. I love you guys. This episode is supported by Four Sigmatic. I use their products basically every day. I always have them in my bag. I'm always giving them to friends because they've really helped me in my life. They make mushroom products, so these aren't button mushrooms or shiitake mushrooms, although I love those too. These are superfood mushrooms like lion's mane, chaga, reishi, and they do different things. There's some that make you calmer, some that add energy, and I've actually had the founder of this company, Taro, on my podcast, and I've actually known him for years. What's cool about Four Sigmatic is they make these delicious elixirs. There's a matcha one, there's a coffee one, there's a hot cacao that's maybe my favorite. There's a hot cacao that even has some cayenne in it. It's a little bit spicy. I love that one. And they have a chai that's maybe my favorite. Amanda loves putting the chaga elixir blended warm with some coconut milk. I like having mine with macadamia nut milk. I even put them in my yogurt. You guys, I love all their products so much. I really, really do. I'm not just saying that. And I honestly think that you guys will too. If you haven't tried them yet, this is the week to try them. You can get 15% off your order by going to foursigmatic.com slash Katie. And make sure you use the code Katie, K-A-T-I-E at checkout. That lets them know that I sent you 
Also, it will give you your 15% off discount. Their chai, if you like chai, it's my favorite. It doesn't have all of the sugar and sweetness that some of the chais that I've had before have and it's nice to have one that I don't get the sugar crash or the sugar headache with but tastes amazing and has some extra superfoods in it as well so check it out check out all of their products they also have a mushroom academy on their blog that you can go in and actually learn about the science behind these mushrooms so if you want to learn more check that out or check out my episode with tarot Oh, I'm doing so many events in April, you guys. I've been in this cocoon, but in April, I have an event, a workshop I'm doing at the class by Taryn Toomey. It's this exercise thing I enjoy, and we're going to be doing a I was going to say an episode, a workout of the class and then a journaling workshop after on April 13th. And then I'm also leading a panel here in New York on April 18th about of Earth Day theme. That'll be very cool. And then I am going to be in Austin, Texas doing an event there. Meetup of sorts. That will be at the end of the month. And then mark your calendars for this one for sure, for all of them. April 29th, day before my birthday, I'm doing a live podcast taping at The Assemblage. It's free. You should come. That's it. That's all I've got. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. I will talk to you next week with a brand new episode.